Well, maybe your fear is not going camping and have somebody put a flashlight on you, but the truth of the matter is we all experience feelings of loneliness. And let me just say this at the very beginning. Between loneliness is a real genuine feeling. But there's a big difference between feeling lonely and being alone. We're going to see as we get to the end of the message, the last thing Jesus said, the last thing he said was, I am with you always, even unto the end of the age. The last thing he said was, I'm going to be with you until I see you face to face. Listen to me. Burn this into your heart. I may have lonely feelings, but I'm never alone. Would you say that out loud with me, please? I may have lonely feelings, but I'm never alone. You see, the same Jesus that promised he would save you and take you to heaven said, I'm with you. I will never leave you. As a matter of fact, as you practice his presence in your life, he becomes more real to you than anything else because he said, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. We're going to take a look at some people this morning. First, I want to start with Anne Hathaway. How many of you know who the movie star Anne Hathaway is? Here's what Anne Hathaway says. Loneliness is my least favorite feeling about life. Here's what Josh Whedon said. Y'all know who Josh Whedon is? He's the guy who wrote and directed The Avengers. You would think a guy who's that macho. Here's what he said. Loneliness is the scariest thing in the world. So these famous people who write movies and are world famous experience loneliness. 27% of all American households have people who live in them, who live in them alone. I did this in the early service, and it was about a fourth, almost 27% of our crowd. Probably won't be this way here, but I just like, can I see the hands? Not a problem. Can I see the hands of all of you who live alone? Look around. Okay, not a lot. Maybe probably about half a dozen or so in the earlier service. You see, as you get older, things happen. People pass away. Uh, divorce is real, people leave you, children grow up and they leave. I promise you this from personal experience, loneliness can really be a scary, a scary feeling and an incredible teacher. Let's take a look. I'm going to go through some scriptures this morning. By the way, if you'll notice, I have entered the 21st century. I have an iPad. The only problem is every time I blink, it like pops up, do you want me to do so-and-so and so and See, now it says this, select the network. Stop interrupting me. I'm trying to preach. Okay, so I've got this here. Now it says no Wi-Fi connected. I don't need Wi-Fi. I've got, keeps interrupting me. All right, here we go. We're going to put some scriptures up here. You can jot them down. We're going to start with the very first person in the Bible. In Genesis 2.18, the Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. Paraphrase, I'm going to make one like you. I'm going to make a person. Now, I'm going to share a couple of thoughts with you. Don't try to figure this out. I don't quite, I don't understand the Trinity. The Bible teaches that we have one God. He's manifest in three persons, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. I hope and pray God's smarter than me, and I hope and pray that there's some things about God I just won't understand in this lifetime. But the Bible teaches that there is a trinity, there's a triune God. We don't have three gods, we have one God. I've read everything I can to try to explain this. How about this? Water, 
Water can be ice, it can be liquid, it can be a vapor. That's as clear as mud. Okay, how about, here's this one. I am a son. I had a mother and father, so I'm a son. I am. That's the hocus pocus music to keep you connected. I have, I have a wife. I'm a husband. I have children. I'm a father. I'm three people. No, 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 I'm one person, but I'm manifest in three different ways. It, even that doesn't explain it. So, so we have this God, don't miss this, we have this God who understands relationship. I don't think that there's anything lacking. I know there's nothing lacking in God. But isn't it strange? Does it strike you odd that God would create, if I can use that expression because words fall apart, God has never been created. He has always been. He is the self-existent one. He is I am. Yet he's in relationship. He's in relationship to fathers, in relationship to the son, who's in relationship to the Holy Spirit. They love each other. There is no jealousy in the Godhead. As a matter of fact, Jesus said when the Holy Spirit's come, he won't speak about himself, he'll speak of me. If you ever pray, Holy Spirit, I pray you'd guide me today. I promise you, Jesus is not up in heaven going, what about me? What about me? You're supposed to, you didn't mention my name. That doesn't happen. That happens with your children, but that doesn't happen with God. God is perfect, and there's no lacking in him. Yet he created relationship. They asked Jesus, what's really important? Jesus said, I can answer that. Love God and love people. Why? Because life's about relationship. So God created Adam, and Adam named all the animals. You know the story. And Adam looked around. He said, I don't see one like me anywhere here. And God said, I know it's not good. I'm going to make one like you. So you can have a relationship. I want you to be in relationship. God's all about relationship. God said, this isn't good. God created us to be in relationship with each other. What about David? Let's look at the next scripture. King David said, I love this verse. It's probably one of your favorite verses too. I am like a desert owl, like an owl among the ruins. I lie awake. I have become like a bird alone on a roof. That's a pretty good verse, isn't it? <laughs> David said, this is King David. This is the guy who killed Goliath. This is God's king. And he said, you know, sometimes I just lie awake and I think, I'm all by myself. Nobody really knows what I'm going through. We're going to see another verse he wrote. Hurts, be by yourself. David said, nobody's concerned for me. He was having a little pity party here. Nobody likes me. Everybody hates me. I guess I'll go eat worms. Big, fat, juicy ones. Long, skinny, slimy ones. Whatever the song says. all done it whiners thumb suckers complainers no one's no one's nobody likes me David said I've, I've struggled with that what else David say right, back up one verse Psalm 142 he writes this look and see there is no one at my right hand no one is concerned for me I have no refuge no one nobody cares about my life Feelings of loneliness are real. Listen, David was like a hero in the Bible. Adam and Eve were like, that's who started the human race. They were lonely people. God said, 
you got to learn to work with this. Now, let's go to the New Testament where I love, this is the last letter Paul ever wrote. Paul, the Apostle Paul, is probably the greatest person that ever walked this earth other than the Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, he was the one that proclaimed the gospel to the Gentiles. He was the one who spread the whole issue of Jesus dying, paying for our sins and arising from the dead. God chose Paul to represent him on this earth. Ananias said, God has chosen you to represent him before kings. Let's see what Paul, this is so powerful. And you're going to love this because this is the most real writing you'll ever find of Paul because he's at the end of his life. In a few days, in a few weeks, he's going to be dead. And he knows it. And this is his last letter. First, he says in chapter 1, verse 12, that's why I'm suffering as I am. Yet, this is no cause for shame because I know whom I have believed. I, I, I'm, I'm good with Jesus because I know him. Paul said at the end, I know him. I know whom I have believed. And I'm convinced that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him until the day that I meet him face to face. Now look up here just for a second before we go to another verse. Do you realize you have put your faith and trust in someone to take care of you from this life into heaven? How many of you have ever gotten on a plane and flown somewhere? I see hands. Pretty much everybody in here. Here's what you did. I'm trusting that the pilot knows what to do. I don't know the pilot. I have not looked at his flight records. I've not done a breathalyzer. I'm just trusting that he's going to get me or she's going to get me from where we are to where we're going. Now, let me be silly with you just for a second. If you're trusting a pilot to get you from here to Dallas or from here to Los Angeles or here to New York, wouldn't it make sense if you are going to get yourself into heaven that you do it while you're alive? If I thought I had to get myself into heaven, I'd be looking for, now is Richard Branson? Who, who, who handles that flight? I don't want to take a chance on, I'm going to be dead? How am I going to get myself into heaven when I'm dead? I can barely get to the airport and get somewhere while I'm alive. Paul said, you've got to entrust your eternity to somebody. And Paul said, I know whom I have done that with. And I am confident that he's able to keep that that I have committed unto him my soul, my eternity, until that day that I meet him. That should be one of your favorite verses, 2 Timothy 1.12. But then he gets to the end of the chapter, and he's talking about loneliness. So let's see what he says. You know that in everyone in the province of Asia, everybody, all my, everybody's deserted me, including Phygelus and Hermogenes. Now there, if you're taking notes, there are a couple of good names for you grandkids. You know, I, just, I think I'll name my son Phygelus and Hermogenes. Sounds like a milk, doesn't it? Hermogenes. Paul said, they were with me at one time, but see, I know where he's going with this, and you will too. This thing about what we believe, don't miss this. This is important. This thing about the message that you and I believe has repercussions to it, and I'll explain in just a minute. And here's a couple of guys who said, now, I don't think about this believing in Jesus thing and you're going to have your sins forgiven and go to heaven. I mean, that's nice and that's cute if you need it. But, you know, I just, mm, 
I just don't want to go overboard in this religious thing too much. It's nice for children in Sunday school, but I mean, I don't know. I just, I just don't want to be a religious fanatic. I don't want to, I don't want to overdo this thing about God and the Bible and Jesus. And so, Paul, good luck. We wish you well. And they departed. Let's keep going. It gets worse. Chapter 4, verse 6 and 7. God showed Paul, this is it. This is the end of your life. I have not had that experience yet. My father sat me down one night. I'm just telling you what he said. We were sitting on my porch. My father said, Robert, a man knows when his time has come and my time's come. I just sat there and listened. I said, are you okay? He said, yeah, but he said, a man knows when his time's close. When his time's come, he said, mine's close. He said, you've been a good son. He said, I don't want you to worry about me. He said, I know I'm going, this is my, my Jewish father. He said, I've asked Jesus to be my Messiah, my Savior. He said, I know I'm going to heaven. He said, when you get there, he said, I want you to look for me. I'm going to be down close to the front in the middle section. I'll save you a seat. I guess my father envisioned heaven kind of like an auditorium. I don't know. But when I get there, I'm going to look down close to the front in one of the seats. Paul says, I know that my time's come. It's close. I'm being poured out like a drink offering. It's you, they would take an offering. Sometimes it was the blood of animals. Sometimes it was wheat. Sometimes it was a liquid, and they would pour it out as an offering to the Lord. You remember the story where David in the Old Testament, David said, I wish I had some water from the wells close to my hometown. And some of his soldiers said, do you hear what he said? He said he wants some of the water from the well. Let's go get it for him. Let's surprise him. And these guys risked their life and they went into the city and got some water and brought it back to David. And they said, we heard what you said about the water and we went and got you some. And David said, you risk your life for me to get me some water. I won't drink this. I will pour it out to God in thanks for the way you've treated me. This will be an offering. Remember this morning, giving money? Here, David said, I want to give this to God in thanks for you risking your life to get me something to drink. And he poured it out in gratitude. Paul said, I get that. I understand my life is being poured out. It's almost empty. Cup's almost gone. And the time for my departure is near. I have fought a good fight. I have finished the race. I kept the faith. Mm, Paul said, I still am living by faith. Now, don't miss this. Don't miss this. Next verse. Now, there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. You get a reward. For what? Not to me only, but to all those who have longed for his appearance. All right, here we go. Time to wake up. How many of you are looking forward to Jesus returning and coming to get you to take him, to take you with him to heaven one day? Can I see your hands? Okay, look up. You get a reward for that. You get a reward. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm messing with you. Can I mess with you a little bit? Are y'all in messing mood? Okay, here it comes. How many of you would like for that to be? Are you ready? Here it comes. How many of you would say, I am looking forward to Jesus. I am looking forward to his appearing, and I wish it was today. 
Oh, we lost a few. It's like I asked my two grandsons this. I said, are you looking forward to Jesus? They said, yes. I said, what if it was today? They went, well, we'd kind of like to get married first. And I said, that's so funny because everybody who's married is saying, yeah, today would be great. Andy told me that. <laughs> Got him in the doghouse now. What is, Lord, I just long for you to come. You can come whenever you want to. Today would be a good day. I challenge you sometimes just to walk through the house and say, Jesus, today would be a great day to show up. It'll scare everybody in the house to death. Now, now watch now. We're talking about relationships and being lonely. And Paul's in prison. I've been to this prison. I call it a prison. It's a dugout rock. It's damp and cold and moist and it's a hell hole. It's not a nice prison where there are bunks and air conditioning. It's damp and cold and wet and it's cut down into a stone where they would drop you in. It's where Paul is by himself. He served Christ. He's lived for the Lord. He's written the New Testament. And he's all by himself in a hole in the ground. He says to Timothy as he finishes this letter, sure would like for you to come see me soon. Come quickly. Next verse. For Demas, because he loved real estate and the stock market and his 401k and all of his money that he wanted to make sure that he kept intact and everything that he had and all of his possessions and his new watch and his car, Folks, I'm just telling you, I've lived long enough to know you've got to be careful about possessions because most possessions that you have, have you. You've got to be careful of that. I'm all for having a good living. But Zig Ziglar said it better than anybody I ever heard. He said, money is not everything, but it's pretty close to oxygen. You've got to be careful that it doesn't possess you and own you. Demas loved this world. He deserted me and he went to Thessalonica. Crescens has gone to Galatia and Titus to Dalmatia. Only Luke is with me and, and, and Mark. Get Mark. Now, little parenthesis about Mark. You might not know this story. In the book of Acts, Paul and Barnabas were best friends and they would go out on missionary journeys. On one missionary journey, Paul and Barnabas took a young believer probably a teenager, his name was Mark. They said, Mark, come go with us. And Mark said, okay. Halfway through the trip, it got a little rough. People were making fun of them, laughing. Oh, you're a Christian, ha <laughs> ha. You hang out with Paul and Barnabas, these older guys, and yeah, you believe in Jesus, ha <laughs> ha. And Mark got scared and Mark left and he went home. Now they're going out on their second missionary journey and Paul and Barnabas are talking. And Barnabas says, Let's take Mark. And Paul said, no. Barnabas said, Paul, listen, listen, listen to me, okay, calm down. He was young. He made a mistake. He left us. Paul, have you ever heard of forgiveness? Have you ever heard of grace? Since you're the one who writes about them so much, about grace and forgiveness, Paul... What do you think about less cutting 
Mark a little slack in giving him another chance. And Paul said, no, can you not hear me? Are you deaf? Fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. He's not going. End of discussion. Barnabas said, Paul, I don't want to hear it. We're not having this conversation. It's over. The Bible says the contention, you read the whole story in Acts 15 later. The contention between Paul and Barnabas, these two godly men who loved Jesus, was so great. Anybody know what happened? Anybody want to tell me? They parted ways. They said, we can't get along with each other. Look at the person on your left. Look at the person on your right. And I know what you're thinking. Mm, I can't get along with them all the time. Paul experienced that too. Paul said, you go your way, I'll go mine. And we'll have two missionary journeys. Now it's the end of Paul's life. And y'all, this is so funny to me because I know Paul's personality is very dominant type, strong, powerful, pushy. This is Paul's way of saying I was wrong. This is Paul's way of saying I'm sorry. Are you ready? Don't miss it. You'll miss it. Only Luke is with me. Get Mark and bring him. Because <coughs> he's, he's helpful. Get Mark and bring him with you because I misjudged him. I was <coughs> I was wrong. Now see, this ought to help. How many of you have ever messed up in your whole life? Can I see your hands? Okay. This is you. And Paul would say, get them away from me. I can't handle that. They messed up. This is Paul later. Sorry. You are helpful, and I was wrong. I was wrong. Can I, I want to tell all of you something I've learned. This will be, you might want to write this down and put it in the back of your Bible somewhere. If you have to eat crow, it's always best to eat it while it's still warm. You get it? If you have to eat crow, see, now the crow's gotten cold, and Paul's having a hard time going, well, yeah, I was wrong. I was wrong. Mark was okay. He's young. He messed up, and I didn't cut him any slack. And now I want to let y'all know something. I was wrong about that. How, how, can I see the hands of all of you who have ever messed up and you're glad you got another chance? Get, get, me too. Me too. I, I, I've led the I've messed up club. I'm so glad God's gracious and forgiving and says, there'll be another chance. There'll be another chance. He's helpful to me. I sent Tychicus to Ephesus. Next verse. <clears throat> when you come, now this is where it gets really good. Because this is the last thing Paul is saying. I love that April was telling me in between church. She said, isn't the Bible great? She said, it's just so real. Here's Paul at the end of his life, and he says, when you come, bring my overcoat. <clears throat> it says cloak, but in the Greek language, it's my heavy-duty coat. Would you? I'll show you in a minute. Please, please bring my coat. It's winter's coming, and I'm so stinking cold. They don't have heat here. Could you just bring my coat? I'm really cold. 
This is the greatest man who's ever walked the earth other than the Lord Jesus Christ. Could you bring my coat with me, hun? And I left it with Carpus at Troas and my scrolls. Don't miss it. It's coming. The, here it comes. The scrolls, especially the parchments. Most scholars believe the scrolls were the early letters that were being circulated about Jesus, the Gospel of John, perhaps, and maybe what Luke was writing. But the parchments were the Old Testament Torah, the book of the law, the Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy that all Jewish boys learned growing up. Even Jesus, who was in the wilderness, and Satan came against him three times to tempt him, and all three times Jesus answered Satan out of the book of Deuteronomy. I've started rereading the book of Deuteronomy. Let me encourage you. Start rereading the book of Deuteronomy. The word Deuteronomy means second numbering. And it's God, they're getting ready to go into the land. And God says, I've already told you all this once. Let me tell you one more time. Read the book, of, just start reading Deuteronomy. Here's what's going to happen when you read Deuteronomy. This is great. I didn't know this was in the Bible. Just check me out. Start doing it. Paul says, I really am bored. I'm sitting here looking at the walls that are made out of stone. I'd just love to have something to read. Could you bring my Jesus Calling book when you come? Could, could you just bring me the scrolls? Could you bring me the parchment? Could you bring me the Bible? I'm at the end. I just want to have something that's real. I want to have something I can get my teeth into. I'm sitting here doing this all day. I'm so bored out of my mind, and I'm so lonely. Come soon as you can. I'm freezing. Could you bring my coat? Bring me a devotional booklet and a Bible. See, we've got these. Most of us have warm clothes. We've got Bibles and devotional booklets. Paul said, I'm at the end of my life. That's what I really, really want you to bring. Now, don't miss it. Here's the whole message right here. I'm hurrying because this is good stuff. I'm trying to get you out of here before three. Alec, I'm just kidding. Alexander the metal worker, in the, some of you have a in King James Bible that says the coppersmith. Alexander the metal worker did me a great deal of harm. The Lord will repay him for what he has done. Don't miss this. Paul knows I can't defend myself against everybody who has opposed me. God knows how to settle the score. Leave vengeance. I know some of you have been done dirty. You've been done dirty by co-workers. You've been dirty by friends, by family. Other, they've done you dirty. Here's what you do. God, I'm going to leave this in your hands. Now listen, there's one exception. There's one exception. Don't miss this. If what somebody has done to you is criminal, you ought to call the police. If you've got children and they're being molested, don't say we just leave this in God's hands. Call the police because that's a violation of the law. But if it's just because two people can't get along with each other, God's going to settle the scores. I know somebody's cheated you out of money. I know somebody has lied about you. Somebody's hurt your reputation. Somebody said something about you untrue. God, I'm going to leave it in your hands. I'm going about my business. Best advice, I think I've told you, the best advice I ever got is a friend named Casey. Somebody stole $300,000 from me, and Casey said, leave it alone, let it go. He said, I know what's going to happen. He said, all you're going to do is get in a lawsuit, 
you're not going to get the money back because they'll file bankruptcy and you'll end up with attorney fees. I said, all right. So I listened to him. Best advice. My sweetheart wife over here, she rented. Can I tell this story? She rented her business to somebody. Her business was called, it's called Edge of the World. She rented her business to somebody who called a supplier and ordered $110,000 worth of equipment to Edge of the World. He sold it and kept the money and sent her the bill. She looked at the bill and said, what is this? It's a bill for $110,000. She said, I didn't order that. They said, well, the, the people who rented your business ordered it in your company's name. And so she asked them about it, and they said, well, we, we don't have the money. So she got a lawyer, and the lawyer sued them. And the judge looked at it and said, you're going to get four times what you, you're going to get $550,000, the hundred and ten times four. More, you're going to get all that back. They filed bankruptcy. She got nothing except a $30,000 lawyer bill. And I just what I told her. Just put it in God's hands. You say, Dr. Trump, I don't like what you're saying. Can I tell you a little secret? Neither do I. Here's what I would tell you to do. Kill them. But do it in Christian love. Get me started. Paul says the Lord will repay them. God will straighten this out. I know, but I'm trusting him to get me to heaven. I can't trust him to straighten out this problem with my children, with my neighbors, with my co-workers. I, I'm betting that he can straighten that problem. Let's keep going. This is too good. You, too, should be on your guard against him. Against who? Back it up one. Alexander, don't miss this, back it up one. Alexander the metal worker. This, who's this Alexander? Why should you be so careful about him? Next frame. You too should be on your guard against him because he strongly opposed, don't miss it, our what? That's the key. Don't miss this. Church is not about us coming together and singing songs. Yay, we love you, Jesus. Church is not about, oh, let's all get together and give money. All right, church is not about, all right, let's get in small groups and pray together. Church is not about, all right, let's all get together and have a Bible study. Church is about our message. Why? Because our message takes you from darkness to light. It takes you from hell to heaven. Our message is the key. What key? That Christ died for you. He paid for your sins and He arose from the dead. And if you put your faith in Him, you'll go to heaven when you die. That's our message. And a person who doesn't believe that message is going to miss everything. Now, don't, I'm, I'm going to get tough with you, so bear with me. Buckle up your seatbelt. We are a Baptist denomination. And there are people who hate us, and here's why. Oh, you Baptists, yeah, yeah, I know about y'all. You believe in this. You can believe in Jesus as your Savior, and then you go out and live any way you want to. Yeah, I've heard about you Baptists, uh-huh. Yeah, man, y'all are weird. You got this, all you got to do to go to heaven is ask Jesus to be your Savior. <laughs> yeah, well, it's not that easy because you've got to be good and you've got to be baptized, and you've got to give money, and you've got to, you've got to, and you've got to, and you, and on and on the list goes. 
said, oh, you, you think you're just going to get into heaven one day because you said a prayer. Dear Lord Jesus, thank you for dying for my sins and rising from the dead. I ask you to be my Savior. Thank you, Jesus' name, amen. Presto, you're on your way to heaven. Well, it's not that easy. Read my lips. Yes, it is. Because that's the message. Now listen carefully. The message has a lot of ramifications. The message is you believe in Christ and the Holy Spirit comes to live inside of you. And here's what, as time passes, you do things and here's what you hear inside. Where'd that come from? You're in a movie that you're watching and you're going, and it's the good part right now. And you watch it and you think, oh, that was wrong. That was bad. And you're with a friend and they tell a dirty joke that you <laughs> used to die laughing and you go, that, that hurt poor people's feelings. That was so unkind. And then you get ready to buy something and you think, want to buy that I don't even need that and all of a sudden you wake up to one day and you realize this was a trick God's changing my life best trick I ever had played on me can I just see the hands just so you don't think some of y'all might think he's crazy he's crazy can I see the hands of all of you since you've asked Jesus to be your Savior something in your life has changed. Can I, can I just see? It happens slowly because God's in the process of making us like Christ and it doesn't happen overnight, but it happens as a free gift. And that's the message. And if you don't think that's the message, go to a Catholic church, go to a church of Christ, go to a church of God. Go to a lot of different denominations and see what the message is. I'm not attacking them. I'm just asking. Find out what the message is. I was speaking at this church about four years ago on a Wednesday night, and here's what I said. The Bible says if we believe in Jesus, we have eternal life. In order for it to be eternal life, it would have to last forever. Otherwise, it's not eternal life. Are you with me? Jesus, I ask you to save me. God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting. I believe in Jesus, I receive everlasting life. Ten years pass, and I do something really bad, and God kicks me out of the family, and I'm no longer part of the family. Did I have everlasting life? No. What did I have? Ten-year life. But you couldn't say I had everlasting life. How long would everlasting, this is a trick question, how long would, this isn't a trick question, how long would everlasting life have to last for it to be everlasting? So I said, anybody who believes in Christ and thinks they can lose their salvation must be mentally ill. Well, I had a woman sitting off to my right, slam her Bible, got up, walk out and slam the door. Like, ah, I'm not sitting here listening to this heresy. May the Lord repay her for getting up and walking out on Wednesday night church. <clears throat> now, I'm, I'm kind of being a little silly because I don't want this to be, I don't, I'm not trying to hurt anybody's feelings. Our message, I, I checked this out. This church started before anybody here was born. In the 1820s, this church was founded. 
across the street. Are y'all aware of that? This church has been here almost 200 years. I think this is one of the oldest churches in Henry County. This may be one of the oldest churches in Georgia. Almost every pastor who has sat up here in front of the congregation has died. And I will too one day. I know y'all are thinking, I hope it's before 2 o'clock. I'm starving, okay? I will too. It is not, this church does not worship the pastor. This church worships the message. What's the message? Christ died for our sins and was buried and rose again. Why? Because that's the message for eternity. And Paul said, watch out. Because if somebody doesn't teach that message, they'll mess you up. Because you'll start thinking, well, maybe I could lose it. And maybe I could do, maybe God would turn against me. And maybe I, I don't know if I've done enough. And, and, you know, and I think I've done enough, but I, it's not up to you. I can't lose it because I didn't get it. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any mention. But why do you think we're here? Don't miss it. We're here because of the message. And I, I don't want to hurt your feelings. Would everybody stick your toes out towards me? Push your toes towards me? I want to step on them just a little bit. If you're not sharing the message, something's wrong in your life. Because this is what it's all about. The message. The message of the gospel. That Christ died. That's what it's about. And Paul said, Alexander messed up and God's going to get him because he opposed my message. You too should be on your guard against him because he strongly opposed. He didn't oppose the way I dressed. He didn't oppose the way I combed my hair. He opposed my message. At my first defense, no one came to my support, but everyone deserted me. When I, got, when I, stood, when I started getting railed at and laughed at, people made fun of me. I pray God would not hold it against them. Just like Jesus said, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Watch, we're almost through. But the Lord stood at my side and gave me strength so that through the, what's the next word? Through the message. Through me, the message might be fully proclaimed. That's what it's all about. Always check out the message. Go online, put in a denomination and ask them, what is your message? What, are your, what is your doctrine? What do you believe? What do you believe? What do you believe? Because heaven and hell depend upon it. Through me the message might be fully proclaimed and all the Gentiles might hear it. And I was delivered from the lion's mouth. He's referring to Caesar. Boy, I barely had me before him, but I was delivered. Now, keep going. The Lord will rescue me from every evil attack and will bring me safely to his heavenly kingdom. To him be glory forever and ever. Amen. Now watch the relationships about being lonely. Greet Priscilla and Aquila and the household of Onesephorus. Erastus stayed in Corinth and I left Trophimus sick. Now don't miss this. Y'all, if you just learn the Bible, if you just read the Bible, everything's going to be okay. What, what am I talking about? If you get cold, buy a coat. Paul said, 
please bring my coat. It's going to get cold. If you are bored, get a devotional booklet or a Bible and start reading it. Do, do your heads if you're at least following me, okay? Get a devotional booklet. Get a Bible. Get an iPad. Start reading. Start reading it. Paul said, I'm at the end of my life. I just, I just need my friends. I need something cold. To, something to put, I'm cold, something to warm to wear. I need something to read to encourage me. And by the way, my friend Trophimus, don't miss this. I read something this week once again. Y'all, I got to be careful how I say this because y'all read into too much that I say. I was reading somebody I really love and respect this week. I really love this guy. I was reading online, and here's what he said. If you're ever sick, speak to your sickness, and it will leave you. So I said, right hip, left hip. Leave me alone and make me well. Didn't work. Now hear me well. I'm being as sincere as I know how. I believe that God can divinely heal anybody. I've told y'all this before. I believe God can heal me. But if he, don't, I learned this from Dr. Criswell. No doctor has ever healed you. No pharmacist has ever healed you. Only God can heal you. But he uses doctors and he uses medication to help your body get better. How many of you are grateful for doctors and for medicine? Can I say, me too. But for you to say, all right, y'all, this is why theology is important. Here is the most powerful man who ever walked this earth other than the Lord Jesus Christ. Don't miss this. And he's at the end of his life and his best friend, Paul says, I had to leave him there sick. Paul, why didn't you heal him? What's the matter with you? Don't you care about your friends? Well, he's sick and he's old and he's going to die. And that's what happens to all of us. So don't give me this. If you're sick, you're not godly business. Because it's not true. However, I think you ought to ask God to heal you whenever you're sick. And ask him, God, if you get me out of this, I'll worship you. But if I have to go through hip surgery and both of them gets replaced, I'm going to let you walk with me through it. See, that's good theology. You know why it's good theology? Because Paul said, my best friend Trophimus, where is he? Somebody tell me where he is. He's at Miletus. What's going on with him? Tell me. He's sick. And he eventually died, just like you're going to. And I might next Wednesday. That was funny. Okay, let's wrap this up so we can go eat. Do your, get, do your best to get here before winter. Eubulus greets you, and so do Prudence and Linus. That was even before Peanuts started. Linus, Claudia, and all the brothers and sisters, the grace, the Lord, Lord be with your spirit. Grace be with you all. And then real quickly, Paul says this. I mean, next verse. Psalm 27, here's what David said. I told you we'd come back to this. Though my father and mother forsake me, the Lord will receive me. David knew what it was like to be rejected. David knew what it was like for Samuel to show up and say, God sent me to your house because one of your sons 
will be the next king of Israel. Could you get your sons together? And Jesse got seven of his eight sons together. And all seven of them were there. And Samuel went, Confused. Jesse said, what's wrong? Samuel said, the Lord sent me to your house and told me one of your sons is going to be the next king. And none of these are it. I, I must have heard him. Do you have any other sons? Yeah, I got one, but he's outside keeping the sheep and he's the youngest. And I didn't invite him because he's so insignificant. That ever happened to you? Everybody ever thought, you're really so insignificant. We won't even invite you to the party. And it's a family party. David said, even if my mother and father don't like me, it's okay. Because in the end, it's not about my mom and daddy. It's about the Lord. This stuff's so good. Next verse. It, Two verses, keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have because God has said, read it out loud with me, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. So we say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I'll not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? Next verse, John 16, 32, Jesus said a time is coming and in fact has come when you will be scattered each to your own home. You will leave me all alone. You know who Jesus had at the end of his life? Nobody. They left him. Yet, I'm not alone for, actually, he wasn't nobody. It was somebody, the best somebody of all, his father. And the last verse for today, excuse me, two more. I hope you get it. First Peter 5, 7, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. I wish they had, I wish the translators, here's the way this verse reads in the Greek language. Cast all of your anxiety on him because to him it matters. Isn't that good? You ever had something hurt inside of you so bad you didn't know what to do with it? Here's what Jesus would say to you if he could look you right in the eye. I know what you're going through and I want you to know it matters. I care about you. I haven't forsaken you. I'm with you. And then the last thing Jesus said, don't miss it. Oh, I'm so glad this was the last thing he said. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. I'm, I'm over the United States. I'm over Russia. I'm over China. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. We should be baptized as a member of the church, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. We need to learn what he's taught us because he's our savior and we're his followers and surely would you read the last two lines out loud please i promise you we'll close if you'll do it and surely i am with you always to the very end of the age isn't that great to know the last thing he said not maybe surely i'm with you always you may be lonely because we all experience feelings of loneliness but according to the guy who's going to take you to heaven when you die, you're never alone. You're not alone in your business. You're not alone in your marriage. You may be lonely in your marriage. You may be lonely in your business. You may be lonely in your family because loneliness is a feeling we all have, but you're never alone. And I pray 
that you will ask God, help me to see that you are with me in all that I do.